Well, we are in part three of a four-part series we'll be concluding next week. And our series, as you know, is called Fixer Upper. And our premise for the series is that just like any old familiar house could sometimes use some serious work to repair flaws or renew its potential, our family relationships, whatever kind or style or, or version of family unit you may be, our family relationships also need a makeover once in a while. And we're not talking about just a bit of dressing up the outside, a little bit of curb appeal so that the neighbors think, oh, they've got it all together or, you know, they're really on top of the world or their Instagram feed looks really sharp. But this is the kind of transformation that starts on the inside, deep within the structure of our lives. No matter how our relationships might be showing wear and tear from the tensions and troubles of life, we, we serve a God who specializes in the impossible. He specializes in miracles. And so restoration and renewal is always possible. It will take a little bit of effort from you, and it will uh, take a little bit of help from God's word, but it is possible. And if you are here tonight, and, and when I say tension, you think of something at home, or when I say trouble, you think of something at home, that's not wrong. That's just life. Let me tell you that a small investment of your time and your energy in accordance with God's word could solve that tension and resolve those troubles and it could prevent some major issues down the road. Your relationships are worth every investment you can possibly put into them because brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, my dear friends, your relationships are your life. Not your car, not your house, not your job. Your relationships are your life. And all relationships need restoration once in a while. So two weeks ago, we discussed the foundation of all human relationships. The foundation, of course, is the most important part of your home, but it sits out of sight below ground level. But if the foundation isn't strong, even the most beautiful buildings will end up having major issues. And the foundation of every human relationship is forgiveness. Without the principle of forgiveness actively working below the surface of your relationship, you're going to run headlong into life, and even the strongest and happiest of relationships can become warped and maligned into something that is fragile and miserable. So you've got to have forgiveness. Forgiveness is not keeping lists of wrongs. Forgiveness is not dredging it up over and over and over again. Forgiveness is not wanting the other person to suffer because you feel like they made you suffer. That's forgiveness. And the most important thing you could ever learn about forgiveness, and Jesus taught this every single time he talked about forgiveness, forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. You may still feel bad, you may still feel sad, but if you choose to forgive, you are on your way to restoration. And it, remember, it takes two to fight. We say that all the time. It takes two to fight, it takes two to tangle. Yes, it does, but it only takes one to forgive. And that one person making the choice to forgive blesses every relationship they have. Now, that was two weeks ago. Last week, we discussed the walls 
that surround our relationships. This is the part of your home that everyone can see, but only you and your loved ones can see inside your walls. Walls in our relationships are the covenants that we make with each other. These are like personal agreements, but they're not written down. They're, they're nonverbal agreements. Sometimes we don't even mention them. They're just understood. And these are agreements that we kind of make with each other to provide our loved ones, our families, our homes with the support and the security we need to grow and flourish as individuals. Because every individual in your home was created in the image of God. They are important. They are cherished. They are loved. They have potential. God wants them to go to heaven and live forever. That, that's everybody in your home. That's the most troublesome character in your home. That, that's the, the most problematic, the most addicted, the most bound, the most rebellious, the most angry person in your home. God loves them. And covenants are those agreements we make to give those individuals in our lives and in our homes, in our relationships, the security that they need because they can trust us. We're in covenant with them. Covenant means that if you tell me something in confidence, it doesn't go any further than these two ears and this brain. Covenant means that, that if we make an agreement, I follow through, even if it hurts me, even if it costs me. Covenant means that I do everything possible to benefit you in that relationship instead of just benefiting myself. And, and this is the most important thing you can learn about covenant. Covenants are not contracts. We deal with contracts all the time. We, we sign contracts for insurance. We sign a contract for a mortgage. We sign contracts for a car loan. We sign contracts in business. Even when you sign your name on a visa receipt at a cash register, you're signing a contract. You're saying, I will pay. See, contracts say, I will if you will. You give me these goods and services, I will pay. I will if you will. That's a contract. But relationships cannot survive on a contract. Relationships only survive in covenant. And covenant says, I will even if you won't. I will even if you don't. I will even if you can't. That is a covenant, my friends. And that blesses every relationship you have. Now today we want to go one more level. We want to take our fixer-upper skills to the highest point of your home. And that, of course, is the roof. And the roof protects everything below from everything outside. It protects your home from the elements like rain and snow and wind. It protects your home from the extremities in temperature that a climate brings. The roof in our relationships is the covering. Everyone say covering. It's the covering that we have over our home. Your covering in your home is the external people, people outside of your family, people outside of that relationship, people who aren't related to you by blood. Your covering is made up of people who are external to your family, but who you allow to speak into your life and into the lives of your family. That's your covering. They are external to your family, but they cover you because you allow them 
to speak into your lives. They protect you from the elements of the world and from the extremes of opinion and lifestyle and theology that are so prevalent in our culture. Even today, we got news that the leader of a major world uh, denomination, a Christian denomination, has decided to take what the Bible calls an abomination and make it accepted for their uh, denomination. That is distressing, but that is not surprising because we are in the last of the last days and the end of the end times. And so you need a covering over your life and over your family's lives Someone that will speak to you and protect you from the extremes of the world, the extremes of opinion, uh, the extremes of theology that are bouncing around today. Scripture emphasizes this principle of having a covering. And Scripture teaches us that all true coverings are ordained and provided by God. Isaiah spoke it, there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and a covert, a covering from storm and from rain. Somebody say covering. That's what we're talking about. Now the prophet Isaiah in that verse is speaking obviously about God's protection over us. But he also lets us know within his prophecy that God's protection is often provided by the human spiritual leadership that God appoints over our lives. Here's what he says in Isaiah 32 and 2. He's prophesying about the kingdom of God, but that the kingdom of God also has human leadership. And a man, someone say a man. So a human being, a man shall be as an hiding place from the wind and a covert, a covering from the tempest as rivers of water in a dry place. In other words, he can refresh you and as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. This time it's not God providing the covering. God is using a man's human spiritual leadership to provide a covering. Now here's my point for tonight. I'll come right out of the gate and tell you exactly where I'm going. Your family needs more than what your family alone can provide. I'll say it again. Your family needs more than what your family alone can provide. If you are a spouse, your spouse needs more than just your companionship. If you are a parent... Your children need more than just your leadership. If you're a sibling, your brothers and sisters need more than just your relationship. If you are dating, oh my goodness, your significant other definitely needs more than just your courtship. If you're a friend, your friend needs more than just your friendship. And this, brothers and sisters, is exactly why the local church is so extremely, critically, crucially important to your family. Because the church provides you with a spiritual covering for your relationships. Alone, you are not enough for your family. You must Partner 
with others who have the same values that you have so that their voices can mold your marriage and mentor your children and mend your mistakes. You must have people walking with you in this life journey who share your values and you allow their voices to guide your family. Your family needs more than what your family alone can provide. Now, I will refer in the next few moments to the pastor. I will not belabor the point by saying pastor or pastors because we have more than one pastor here. And I honor my colleague, Pastor Jack Liebman, who is such a great asset to this church. But I will not belabor the point by putting that in the plural every time. But please know I'm not trying to seize leadership all alone here because I also believe in the principle of covering. And so just to not belabor it, I will not make reference repeatedly to me and Pastor Jack or the two pastors or you have more than one pastor. Can I just say pastor and we get it. Spiritual leadership in our lives. When you intentionally and specifically place your family under the covering of your church and your pastor, you exponentially increase the capacity of your marriage, your parenting, and your relationships for success. Left alone, your family risks being exposed to the elements of the world and the extremes of culture, perhaps without even realizing the damage that is being done. I could not tell you how many countless times I've seen a family and, and you just shake your head and you think, what are they doing to their children? Why are they doing that to their teenagers? But see, they're isolated. They're alone. They're a law unto themselves. They think they're self-contained and that all authority rests within their home for their home. That is a fool's errand at the best of times because without a covering over your family, your family risks being being exposed to the elements and the extremes. And you might not even realize it's happening. But with an external covering, see a roof is an external covering. With that external covering, you can avoid so many of those pitfalls because brothers and sisters, you're not just part of your family. You're part of this family. You're part of God's family. You're part of a bigger, larger, greater, more powerful family. And that is a huge benefit to your home. It just is. Everyone say covering. I may mess some of you up in the next few minutes and that's okay. One of our precious elders, Brother C.B. Dudley, used to say, if you're patting the cat and it doesn't like it because you're rubbing the, cat, the fur the wrong way, just tell the cat to turn around. So all you cats, just turn around, okay? That's from the elder. We sometimes talk about the biblical model for families or the biblical model for marriages in sermons. Please know that anytime you hear a pastor talk about a biblical family or a biblical marriage, please know this. We are not talking about biblical history. We're talking about biblical theology. The Bible tells us how to have a biblical family, 
But most of the people in the Bible who had families or marriages, they were messed up way worse than you can ever imagine. In fact, if most of the families who lived in Bible times showed up at our church, especially if they lived in the Old Testament, we would immediately send them for counseling. Some of them had multiple wives and then some concubines. Some of them had murder and incest and all kinds of horrible scandal going on in their families. We would send them for counseling. But when we talk about a biblical marriage or a biblical family model, we're talking about biblical theology. You see, the families in the Bible, most of them didn't get it right most of the time. You know why? You know why? Because... They refused to live according to God's principles. They just categorically refused to live God's laws. And they also refused to listen to the priests and the prophets and the leaders that God sent to them. They just categorically refused. But the Lord, in his wisdom and mercy, he left their stories, every one of their mistakes, he left their stories in his word, you know why? So we could have examples. That's why he left them there. And also, not so we just would have examples as to what not to do, but so we could know that when our family's messed up, when our family has failed, when our family has dysfunction, that our family failures don't have to be fatal. That's why God left those stories in his word. That's why he left David in there. That's why he left Abraham in there. That's why he didn't cover over Noah. That's why he didn't do all of that stuff. God left that in his word so we would have an example of what to do and how God can redeem even a failure. Now, th this scripture's always uh, intrigued me. Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he's writing in chapter 10 about this long litany of failures in Israel's history. And he says this, he's writing about failures, not successes. He's writing about messes, not miracles. And he says, now all these things happened unto them for our examples, and they are written for our admonition because on us, the ends of the world are come. In other words, it's more important that we get it right than it even was that they got it right. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, you think you're so great, so spiritual, and so strong, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And then he says this. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. I know you think you are unique. No one else has ever shed the tears you've shed. No one else has ever had their heart broken like you. No one else has ever had betrayal like you have experienced. But God's word would defy that and say, no, you're not that unique. Over the 6,000 years of human history, somebody somewhere has had the same issue that you've had. And in fact, hate to bust your bubble, but... Somebody somewhere's had it way worse than you've had it. And they maybe didn't sulk about it as much as you already have. How to make an audience quiet. There is no temptation. There's no trouble. There's no problem. There's no failure. There's no opposition. There's nothing that has taken you but such as is common to man. But God, in the midst of life, when life isn't fair, God is faithful. 
When friends forsake, God is faithful. When everything turns upside down, God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. This is a scripture that gets twisted into a pretzel by a lot of people. People say, God won't put on you more than you can bear. How many have ever heard anybody quote that verse? That's not a verse. It's not in the Bible. God won't put on you more than you can bear. That's not in the Bible. But this is in the Bible. He will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able to negotiate. So God won't allow the devil to put on something on you that you can't stand up to, that you can't resist. But he will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God didn't say, I won't put on anything, anything on you that you're uh, more than you can bear. But he did say, when you are in temptation, when the devil is attacking and he's not playing fair, I will be faithful. I won't put a temptation on you that could overcome you. If you'll follow my word, you can resist it. You can get out of it. And he said, you will be able to bear it if you'll follow my word. And so what Paul is saying there is you need to look at the word of God as a training manual. You need to look at the word of God and say, if they messed up that bad and God still used them, God can use me even though I messed up. If they were that dysfunctional in their home and God didn't toss them on the trash heap, guess what, devil? I think my home's going to come back up for one more round and we're going to make you sorry you ever gave us grief. That's what I learned from that verse. The two most powerful influences on this planet are the church and the home because God initiated each of them. The church and the home. And God wants each of them to demonstrate his plan of redemption and restoration. But here's where we run into trouble. God wants the church and the home to work together. If they are united, they can make a greater impact than if they work alone. The church and the home, they need each other. Too much is at stake for our children and grandchildren, our families, our friends, our neighbors in this lost world. Too much is at stake for either the Christian church or the Christian home to fumble the ball. The primary task of the church and the home is to build God's kingdom or where the devil has got in to rebuild God's kingdom. And we build God's kingdom in the hearts of our men and women, our brothers and sisters, our sons and our daughters. So I say it again. Your home needs the covering that the church provides. You are not equipped to do this alone. God didn't design your family or ordain your life for you to be a lone ranger. Your home needs the covering the church provides. In the book of Numbers, God gives a law concerning vessels that were sitting in a house where a death occurred. Death entered into the house and there were uncovered or open vessels there. 
This is the scripture, Numbers 19, 15. And every open vessel which hath no covering bound upon it is unclean. If death entered the house and the vessel wasn't covered, it's unclean. You got to get rid of it. See, in Numbers, God's giving a law concerning vessels in a house where death is entered. But in the spiritual realm, the same principle operates. Our world, this world, our culture is full of spiritual death. Devilish doctrines floating around. Treacherous temptations. Addictions that damage bodies and philosophies that deceive minds and lifestyles that literally destroy souls. Without a covering... Every member of your family is like an open vessel. They are open to any of this, to all of the devil's attacks. They are vulnerable if they don't have a covering. And again, I emphasize, your local church is the spiritual covering for your family. It is people who share your values and speak the same voice that you're trying to speak to your kids, to your spouse, to your siblings. Your church shares your values and can come alongside and be a voice. But when you allow your church to be your covering, you take it to another level. Now here's where it gets awkward. It's awkward for pastors to say it, so many pastors ignore this subject altogether. I will speak tonight on behalf of all of our pastors, but I'll just take this on my own shoulders. Your spiritual leadership, your pastor, is a gift from God to you and your family. Period, end of story, exclamation mark, biblically speaking. Ephesians chapter 4, and God, the Lord, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why did God give those gifts, what we call the fivefold ministry, why did he give them to the church? Here's why. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. If you've got struggles at home, the home and the church were designed to run in tandem to work together. If you've got issues at home, you need to lock in tighter than you ever have before to your local church. If you've got problems in your family, your family needs to be sitting with God's family every time the doors are open because your home was not designed to run all by itself. You need a covering. Your family needs more than what your family alone can provide. Hebrews chapter 13, the verse that everybody today loves to hate. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. These are the ones that must give account you want your pastor to stand up on that day and give account of you with joy and not with grief. Because if they have to stand up and give an account with grief, that is unprofitable for you. This isn't in my notes. They could verify that at the back, but it comes to me by prompting of the Holy Ghost right now. 
your pastor's evaluation of you on judgment day has something to do with your reward on judgment day. Read it. You want them to give account with joy and not with grief because if your spiritual leadership stands up on judgment day and it's not good, that is unprofitable for you. Your pastor and your church provide your home with a spiritual covering. Now, this idea of obedience and submission, that goes over like a lead balloon today. That goes against every grain of the world's culture. And unfortunately, the words obedience and submission now even offend some who call themselves Christians. But no principle is more powerful in all of God's word if you want God's protection over your home. Obedience and submission. See, you don't need the world's covering. You need God's covering over your family. Your family doesn't deserve the world's covering. That just messes everybody up. Your family deserves God's covering over them. And if you're the leader of your home, you need to do everything you can to make sure that happens. Isaiah spoke and said, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord. They take counsel. Oh, they've got lots of people giving them lots of opinions. But those opinions don't come from me. And they cover with a covering. Oh, yeah, they're submitted to somebody. They're trying to please somebody. They're trying to impress somebody. They cover with a covering, but not of my spirit. And all they end up doing is adding sin to sin to sin to sin. That's what Isaiah said. You see, there are other coverings. Oh, the world wants you to have their covering. They want to influence the way you think. They want to influence your behavior. They want to influence your attitude. They especially want to pressure you and push you and force you into a mold where everything that the media says to you, you just accept it without even evaluating it. Almost all of that is just total garbage. We are in a cesspool of sin in the last of the last days. And if you don't have a filter for the media you're taking in, you are absolutely spiritually in insane. The media has an agenda to promote and the agenda, and I'm not talking about politics or parties, I'm just saying the world spirit no matter what side of a political spectrum it comes from it promotes one thing, a humanistic anti-God attitude and your family has to have protection from that. Your little children deserve protection from that. You and your spouse and your marriage, you deserve protection from that. Your spouse, your parent, your sibling or your friend, all, all of the people you're in relationship with, they will have other voices in their life. They're going to hear those voices constantly. We hardly go a second anymore in any day without sound somewhere putting some message or some song or some kind of newscast into our ears. We don't like silence very, more, very much anymore because we're not used to silence anymore. 
And so our lives are just this cacophony of noise and talk radio and opinions and printed media. And it's just everything. And social media, it's just constantly trying to get our attention. Your loved ones will have other voices in their life. If you're a parent or a spouse, if you're a sibling, if you're a friend, here's the question. Do those voices share your values? Because if they don't, you are in need of a covering over your life so those voices don't pollute your family with their values. Are you leaving? If you're a parent here tonight, are you leaving those choices of who's going to talk in the ears of your kids, your teenagers? Are you leaving those choices just up to the random people that come into their lives at school, some teacher with some kind of weird agenda or some classmate that their family's so dysfunctional and addicted and broken that they don't even know which way is up? Are you leaving that up to the random people that bounce in and out of your family's lives? Or do you have a plan? I hope you have a plan, and I hope that plan includes anchoring your precious kids and your teenagers and whoever else is under your roof in the church of the living God because your local church is the covering over your family, spiritually speaking. Your faithful involvement in your local church is the best predictor of spiritual success for every member of your family. I know sometimes life goes upside down. I know sometimes the devil attacks. And I know sometimes even those we call our spiritual leadership, they flip out and do stupid things. And if you've been hurt, if you've been wounded, if a pastor has betrayed your trust and upended your life and your family's divided because of some decision a pastor made, I apologize on behalf of pastors for that. That shouldn't happen. But assuming everybody lives an apostolic life, being in the church is the greatest predictor of spiritual success for every member of your family, bar none. Your faithful involvement. I didn't say attendance. I didn't even say giving. We appreciate your attendance. We appreciate your giving. But your faithful involvement in your local church, it changes everything. Especially if you were a parent and you've got children at home under your roof. Because your roof is a covering. And then the church is a covering over you. I'll tell you how it worked where I grew up. If you live under this roof and you eat this food, you go to that church. That's how it worked in the home where I grew up. That's how it worked when my kids were growing up. And that's how it still works. If you live here under this roof and you eat this food and we wash your clothes, guess what we're doing on Wednesday and Friday and Sunday morning and Sunday night? See that building over there? We're going to take our building to that building. That's what we're going to do. Your faithful involvement in your local church is the best predictor of spiritual success for every member of your family. Oh, great. 
thanks, pastor. I've already messed up my marriage. I've already failed my family so badly that I guess we're just destined to be permanently dysfunctional, consigned to the trash heap of life. I allowed worldly friends to influence my teenagers while I offered no opposition whatsoever. I got busy with work and I let my kids fend for themselves and now that I want a relationship, we've got some major disconnection issues. It's even worse than that, Pastor. I sinned against God and sinned against my family, so I can't possibly expect to have any moral authority. I can't possibly expect those kids or even my spouse to listen to me now. I've been marginal in my commitment to church, Pastor, and unfortunately for me, my kids have followed my example. Or pastor, I got rebellious. I got tempted. I took a vacation from God and I dragged my family along with me while I took my vacation from God. And unfortunately, they've never come back from that vacation from God. Pastor, I've dug a hole so deep that my family can't possibly escape. I think you've forgotten the name of this series. God is the ultimate fixer-upper. God is at work today and right this moment telling a story of restoration through the two institutions that he ordained on this earth, through the church and through your home. No matter how badly you have failed, no matter what your family may look like, and no matter how limited your capacity is to try to put everything back together, you can still do one thing that makes so much difference. You can put yourself under God's covering and start now. And your family, even though they may be rebellious, even though they may not like your God, even though they may detest your church, if you will put yourself and everybody you have any influence over under God's covering starting now, your family will have a front row seat whether they want it or not watching the grace and the mercy of God go to work in your life. So I don't care how much you've messed up. I don't care how long your sojourn from God was. If you will put yourself under the covering of God, God can use his grace and his mercy to go to work in your family. Some of you should not be sitting here you were too bad. You were too rebellious. You were too addicted. You were too sinful. But guess what? You are here in the church of the living God. And if God could do it for you, stop saying that God can't do it for your kids. If God could do it for you, stop saying they're beyond hope or they'll never come back. Stop that talk. Put yourself under the covering of God and let God work. God does not use perfectly posed pictures. 
your perfect selfie of your little imaginary perfect family. God doesn't use perfectly posed pictures. God uses broken people to carry out his purposes on this earth. God meets us where we are, not where we wish we could have been or think we should have been. God just meets us where we are. That's the beauty and the value. That's the privilege of repentance. God, I'm a mess. God, I can't handle it. God, I can't do this anymore. And God zooms into that equation and said, if you just came to the end of yourself, guess what? The end of human effort is the beginning of divine effort. And so you're in a good place when you've come to the the end of yourself. God doesn't meet you where you are. God doesn't meet you where you think you could have been, where you think you should have been. He will meet you exactly where you are. So here's the point. Your weaknesses, your limitations, even your failures, they can become your greatest strength if they cause you to reject independence, and embrace covering. That's what you need. You can do this. Parents, spouses, siblings, friends, you can do this because it's not all on you. You can do this because it's not all up to you. God's going to help you. And so tonight I'd really encourage you to repair your roof. I'd really encourage you to make sure your covering is intact because your spiritual covering, your local church, your submission to spiritual authority in your life, it is the best predictor of the spiritual success of every member of your family. Your family needs more than what your family alone can provide for themselves. So as you're repairing your roof. I want you to just remember two principles in closing. If you're trying to work with rebels and backsliders and sinners and people that hate God and truth and the Bible and you and just they hate everything. If you're trying to work with one of those people and they happen to be a family member that you love but sometimes you feel like I just can't stand this anymore. And sometimes if you could voice what's in your heart, you almost would say, I just can't stand them anymore. Please remember this. As you're repairing your roof, as you're repairing the covering that needs to be over your life, and if you're the only one in your family that serves God, then you pitch a little covering over you and you just live for God and you let God go to work because when you live for Jesus in your house where other people don't live for Jesus, you just drag them into the theater of the mercy and the grace of God and said, sit here in the front row while God goes to work in my life and there's no better place that they could be. Principle number one, if you're gonna repair your roof, please remember in your family, and please remember, as a church family, you can't influence and antagonize at the same time. You can't influence and antagonize at the same time. If you're feuding and fussing and fighting with them, you are not influencing them toward Jesus. 
It's not happening. You can't influence somebody and antagonize them at the same time. Now, your goal is not to impress your family or anybody else with you. Look how I'm such a great parent. I'm such a phenomenal spouse. Your goal isn't to impress your family with you. Your goal is to impress them with the love of God because the love of God will beat down defenses. It'll beat down opposition. It'll penetrate all the shields and all the walls and all the masks that people wear. Love them. And if they're not what they should be, love them again. And if they still rebel, love them again. And if there's been a strain, a tension, a breaking, a fracture in the relationship, love them back to you and love them back to God. You could heal so many things if you learned the two magic words, I'm sorry. Because when you say I'm sorry, it pulls down defenses. Not, I'm sorry that you. No, that's not an apology. That's a rebuke. I'm sorry. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. And above all things, have fervent charity, fervent love among yourselves. Church family, your family, have fervent love among yourselves. For love, charity, shall cover the multitude of sins. You talk about a covering. This is a church family. It's not just a church family. It's a public building. It's not just a public building. It's a place where the broken and the addicted and the dysfunctional and the rebellious and those that hate us are still welcome. They're welcome here. We can't influence them and antagonize them at the same time. Some of you would do the world a favor if you'd go back through your social media and delete most of the stuff you've posted about politics in the last year. You might actually end up reaching or winning or influencing somebody that right now thinks you are a bigot and an intolerant religious nut. I'm saying go vote your convictions and make sure you vote your convictions. But most of this posturing on Facebook and social media is just a bunch of frustrated wannabe whatever. And they just yak, 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 yak. And now that COVID has happened and we've made them wear a mask and stay home, they type, 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 type. And they text, 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 text. And you could be much more of an influence on people if you'd stop that. They don't need to know your political persuasion before they know that you love Jesus. They don't know, need to know your opinion on certain lifestyles or certain activities before they know that you love Jesus and that you love them. This is where we might need another pastor to come and just kind of end. Principle number one, if you're going to repair your roof, everyone say covering. You've got to have a covering. Without a covering, you're toast. Without a covering, you're vulnerable. You say, I'm strong. Your kids may not be. I'm strong. Your spouse may not be. I'm strong. You may think you are. 
Principle number one, you can't influence people and antagonize them at the same time. So, so love is part of this covering. And this is the responsibility of pastors and churches. If I've ever done anything or said anything or preached anything that made you think I didn't love you, you please come and tell me and I'll make it right with you. Because my goal is not to preach some kind of weird kind of controlling hate from the pulpit. And if this church has ever done anything to you that hurt you, you please let me know as a representative of this church and we'll do our best to make that right. Because this isn't a shunning, shaming place. This is a welcoming, loving place. Somebody should say amen to that. My goodness. Finally, last principle. If you're going to repair your roof, this one harkens all the way back to the law of Moses. It's, it's amazing. Back in those days, roofs didn't look like they look like today. They, they, they typically weren't pitched and, you know, with the, the angles and the trusses. Typically, they were flat. And so there was this principle in the book of Deuteronomy. When thou buildest a new house, then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof, that thou bring not blood upon thine house if any man fall from thence. So the principle in the law of Moses for that day for Israel, because everybody had a flat roof, is if you're going to build a new house, here's what you do with your roof. You put a railing around your roof because you don't want anybody to fall from there and kill themselves or hurt themselves and then their blood is on you. The principle from the law of Moses, this ancient document in the word of God, these ancient commandments that they don't apply in a, literal, technical sense, many of them today. But the moral principles that undergird them are still so important to us. Put a railing around your roof. Or I would say it this way. Put a fence around your family. For your sake and their sake and God's sake, put a fence around your family. Do everything humanly possible to connect them, to involve them, to plug them in to the local church. If you've got kids or teenagers, please hear me. You inconvenience yourself every month in a thousand ways to get them everywhere else. Learn to inconvenience yourself to get them to church. Inconvenience yourself to get them around godly friends that are going the same direction. Not just religious friends who happen to populate their school who may believe a thousand different doctrines, only half of which are even in the Bible. Get them around godly apostolic young people. You say, well, they don't really fit in. Plug them in until they fit. Keep bringing them. Keep... Could we just, I know we got girl drama and teen drama and couple drama. And could the adults stop having drama? Could we teach our kids not to have drama with each other because they're not watching us have drama between each other? If we could all calm down, if we could all grow up, our kids would have a fighting chance of turning out halfway normal. Stop taking your kid, and trying to be their best buddy. They don't need a buddy. They need a parent. That's maybe the best thing I said tonight. You don't need to be their friend all the time.
They don't need to be happy with you all the time. If you're their parent, they shouldn't be happy with you about a third of the time because you should be teaching them no. We just waded into the deep weeds, jumped off the deep end diving board right there. But I am not saying turn your home into some shaming institution. Don't preach at them. Pray for them. And this is the best thing you can do for every relationship you've got. Live under your spiritual covering in front of them. That's the best thing you can do. When you submit to your pastor, when you are involved in your church, when they see you worshiping God, and dear Jesus, help me survive this dearth of altar calls because I hate it with everything in my being. We've turned a bunch of worshiping, praying, aisle-running, altar-cramming saints into a bunch of cowards during COVID-19. And it is driving me crazy. And I haven't said anything about it for weeks, so don't give me that look. <laughs> when this is over, we are going to gather these, bring them to an altar, put them in a pan, and light it on fire in Jesus' name. I am so tired of this. But these are the greatest things that ever happened to some people. They haven't got out of their pajamas since March 15th. They are sitting at home on their couch <laughs> watching church online instead of being here praying and worshiping. My goodness. And we expect the next generation to actually survive that. <clears throat> My name is Raymond Woodward, and I approve this message. Put a railing around your roof. Put a fence around your family. Put a covering over your home. I wish somebody else could stand here and preach this tonight. It'd be a lot more comfortable than a pastor getting up and saying, you need to submit to your pastor. But it's true. Because your family's involvement in your local church your family's faithful commitment to your local church is the single best predictor of the spiritual success of every member in your family. But if they've heard you say unfortunate things about the people of God or the church or the pastors, if you took a vacation from God and dragged them along with you and they haven't come back, if there's some kind of dysfunction in your home because of Something you allowed there? Don't you sit there and sulk? You get yourself under the covering of God's spirit and the covering of spiritual authority and you get in here with all the rest of us and you push in Jesus' name. We'll help you pray. We'll preach. We'll believe. We'll have faith with you. And by the mercy and grace of God, your family is going to be with you, part of God's family before Jesus comes back. We're just going to pray it and believe it and insist on it and claim it and pray it 
it and believe it and insist on it and claim it and we're just going to keep doing it until it happens in Jesus' name. But it doesn't begin with the pastor's sermon. It begins with you putting yourself under your spiritual covering. Your family needs more than what your family alone can provide. Would you lift your hands and I'd like you to let your voice burst out in prayer or worship or whatever you're feeling right now because the Holy Ghost is in this room right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I have felt the help of the Holy Ghost as I've preached tonight. I have felt the unction of your spirit and I have felt the connection of conviction in this room tonight. God, you didn't come here because you want to turf us or throw us out. You came here because you want to redeem our past and you want to make miracles out of our mistakes and you want to bring back what the devil has stolen. And so, Jesus, I set you loose to do what only you can do. Jesus, no holdbacks. We're not just kind of resisting. We are releasing what you do. Jesus, we believe it. We reach for it. We are believing it for our families. We are believing it for our marriages. We are believing it for our relationships. We're believing it for our kids. We're believing it for every single parent home. We're believing it for every young single adult. We're believing it Jesus for every senior in this room. God we release your power to work. We're not resisting it. We release it. Everybody that you're in relationship with a backslider, I want you to pray right now. You don't have to call their name out loud if that's embarrassing or that is terrifying to you. You don't have to, but pray for them right now. I pray over every backslider. Bring them back, Jesus. Put a hook in their jaw by the power of the Holy Ghost and just drag them and nudge them and pull them toward your mercy and your grace and your love. I'm waiting for a certain sound of intercession. I'm waiting for a certain pitch of Holy Ghost prayer. That's, that's all I'm waiting for. I just want us to connect before we leave. That's all. We'll all know the second we get there. <laughs> God, minister to the heart of some grieving parent. Minister to the heart of some parent that's feeling like they're so alone in the struggle. Minister, God, to some single mom that's here and she feels like she's lost control of the most precious thing in her life. Jesus, minister to a single adult that's here in this room and they feel so lonely and the devil has been taunting them and tempting them and hurting them and trying to attack them. I pray that you would fortify them in Jesus' name.
God strengthen our families. We got so many kinds of families today. They're all loved. They're all valued. They're all part of your plan. Jesus, strengthen our families. Strengthen our families. Erebabokos, yes, sandalabas, yes, sukuyamaha.